0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional terms apply.
1: And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS, 855 2124 Also reminding you today, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, CBS, on the court with ben basketball's biggest legends, all-stars and champions. And at 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific, the big three action moves to CBS Sports Network. This summer's hottest hoops are on CBS Sports, including last week where Royce White got in a fight. Was it with Josh Smith? Hickey, wasn't it with Josh Smith?
2: I believe so, yes.
1: Man, Josh Smith and Royce White getting in a fight. Come on. I mean, what else is going on at noon? Baseball doesn't even start for an hour. Just watch the big three, okay? Just give it it an hour of the big three, and if that hour's bad, just watch another hour of the big three, okay? It's that simple. There's worse things to watch. I can figure it out. Also, i got to get this out there because today is Kawhi Leonard's birthday. And I just want to remind Kawhi Leonard, first, happy birthday. Second, Toronto's major contributions to technology include advancements in satellite communications, digital microwave transmission, and data distribution networks. There are also over 23,700 artists in Toronto, which is almost twice as many artists as any other Canadian city. Kawhi how could you leave twenty three thousand seven hundred artists? You know what you play so well, Kawhi. You're twenty three thousand seven hundred and one. Stay in Toronto, please. Just talk to Steve Kyler. The thing about Kevin Durant, and I said this months ago, and I'll continue to shout it. You say you don't care about my opinion. Okay, I, I get. You might not care about my opinion. The overall. All of us, you don't care about all our, all of our opinions. You're the same guy who gets in internet fights with people from fake Twitter accounts. And I can just give you a million different reasons why I know that they I know they don't love you like they love Steph, and it seems to bother the hell out of you. I know, man, I get it. But it's just life is so much better in Golden State than it would be in New York. You would go play for the Knicks. I I feel James Dola would still try to find a way to get in your way. I'm hearing nothing from Hickey on the other end. I think he agrees with me. 100%. Thank you. But Golden State's fun. It's laid back. New York's mean. It's fast-paced. The Warriors are kings in the Bay Area right now. Now, I want to throw this by Hickey real quick. I think the Knicks will always be third best in New York at best. I think the Yankees and Giants will still always trump them. Is that true? Ooh, I'm Hick?
2: not sure, but I think they'll New never York's be a number one basketball city. I they'll, think if the Knicks get back, they could probably be set. I think they could surpass the
1: Giants. Ne- I don't think they'll ever be number one. Golden State's number one in the Bay Area. Like I know the the 49ers are big, the Raiders are big, even though they're both ones out of the area and the other one's leaving. I think the I think the Warriors are kings right now in the Bay Area. I don't think you'll ever get that with the Knicks. I think they, I think you could win three championships in a row, and it'll still be Yankees first in New York City. Golden State, it's warm. It's inviting. Good people. New York, they got good people too. Nothing against Hick, nothing against Shep, nothing against Justin Shackle. But you know, it's cold. It can be a foreboding place. It can be a tough place to take out a living, even though that you make a ton of money. I don't think you wanted pressure in Oklahoma City, New York, the garden. I don't think that any of that is gonna alleviate that. I think if you stay in New York if you stay in Golden State, Draymond ends up going, the media will warm up to him, the fans will warm up to him. I think that he's their guy now. I think if you cuss out Bay Area Media, I think if you try to do that in New York, I think you're asking for a lot. Because he stood up there in a press conference telling people to grow up. Stop asking him about where he's going to go. Talk about basketball, even though he's a free agent and people don't care about the regular season and this is what we want to talk about. I don't think you get away with that in New York like you would in the Bay Area. And Golden State, I think you're already a legend. You're part of a great group of players. No matter if this is the beginning or the end or just the middle of what they're doing, I have no idea long-term. Golden State's still going to be good once they get Klay back. I think you you have something that's incredibly special here. If you go to New York, there's so much pressure. There's so much much that rides on your shoulders. They're not looking for this. I did this with the Browns and Baker Mayfield. 20 years or 30 years, it really is, between Baker Baker Mayfield and, and Bernie Kosar here in Cleveland, Browns fans weren't looking for a quarterback. They're looking for a messiah. The Knicks got close in the 90s, we understand. They had a 50-plus win season with Mike Woodson. Other than that, they've been an out-and-out disaster and an embarrassment to basketball in the city of New York. They're not looking. It's the same thing. They're not looking for a great franchise player. They're looking for a messiah. You're coming back from an Achilles injury. You're going to be over 30 years old. They're going to expect superhuman feats from you every single night to put them over. They're not patient. They have no room for patience in New York. Golden State, you've won championships. You've competed for championships. People out there take your side in the entire fiasco. It's an unfortunate incident. It's an injury. People obviously care about you out there. I don't think you get that in New York. I think you get blame. I think you get anger. I think you get vitriol if you're not perfect or if you're not leading them to a championship. And I can't guarantee that. Hey, you could say what you want to about what Kevin Durant and the Knicks would do if he were to go with Kyrie Irving and eventually wait probably a season to come back or come back at the end of next year. LeBron, Anthony Davis, player X coming out, that's going to be a tough, tough team to deal with. Golden State's still going to be a tough team to deal with. This year and hopefully for a long-term future, Giannis and Milwaukee are going to be very, very difficult for you to deal with with the New York Knicks. You have something that's special in Golden State. You have an area that still is warm and receptive to you. I know that some people have already made that emotional divorce with Kevin Durant, but there's just so much better when you think about it with common sense that tells you that Golden State's a better place than New York. 855-2124-CBS. Andre Iguodala was on The Breakfast Club earlier this week. I don't think he broke any news. I think what he just says, if we're speaking about common sense, what he's about to tell you about Steph Curry... Is just the truth. Go. You know where I see it the most? The hate on Steph is across the league. Other players. Really? It's crazy. Not so much the younger players, but some of the older players that he came in and just mm-hmm. took their shine. Oh, they hate it. Oh, they hate it. They, a- they, they can't take it. I'll tell you this. If it comes to Andre Iguodala, audio courtesy of The Breakfast Club, I heard that entire interview. If if teams are if anybody's smart about this, they'll put a microphone in front of Andre Iguodala because I think he tells the truth. I think he tells the truth from the, what a veteran knows about the league and what a guy at thirty five going on thirty six. If he if this is his final year, if this was his final year, then I think that and he's going to think about it. I think that that's a guy that you want to hear from what he says about Steph Curry. It's it's not just truth. It's, it's common sense. It's based in every single sports movie you've ever seen. Every sports movie about a guy who used to own where he was at and then a young guy comes up and there's a fight. Every racing movie, every baseball, football, whatever it might be, where there's an old guard and someone new comes up and there's a different thought, something that upsets the apple cart, it's always going to be that way. And that situation is played out in the NBA. Now, I brought up an argument. I don't know if I could put him in the all-time greats because he can't carry a team on his back, but what he's done is changed the league. And what he has been is, yes, two-time MVP, an incredible player, an incredible shooter, a guy who is a leader, and a guy who is not a physical Zeus. LeBron, Magic, those guys where I put him up there, even Kobe, those guys are physical Zeuses. Shaq, definitely a physical Zeus. When I look at Steph Curry... Compared to other ones, Steph Curry could probably squat 450, 500 pounds. Steph Curry is obviously quite strong and can do a lot of things and is very physical and a a hell of an athlete. But when I look at Steph Curry out there on the floor and I see a monsters and guys who are 6'8", who can run up and down the floor like cats or point guards used to be able to do in the 90s, I still see a guy who's of diminutive size and a guy who probably upsets their feelings. That he does things that he really shouldn't be able to do. They're the ones who went to Duke. They're the ones who went to Kentucky and Kansas and North Carolina. He went to Davidson. They're the ones who are 6'8". They're the ones who are the high flyers. Steph's the one who changes the way they play defense. He's the one that goes out and exposes them nearly every single night because they don't want to play defense. Well, now you have to come out and guard Steph because he's going to hit it from about 42 feet any single chance he gets. He's changed the way they play college basketball. He's obviously changed the way that they play high school basketball. And no matter what I said about Steph Curry in the finals, which I still stand by and still think is true, he's changed the way that people think about themselves as basketball players in AAU, and high school, and college, and obviously in the pros. There are opportunities that are open to those that wouldn't be up open before because of how much Steph Curry has changed the game. He deserves that credit for it. And I think he's an insult to all their intelligence and everything they grew up knowing. Inside out, throw it to the block, go out and wreck it. Quickest way to from point A to point B is a straight line. Steph Curry changes all of that. I think there's no surprise, and there shouldn't be any surprise, that players look across when Steph Curry first got in the league. I think now it changes because as Steph Curry gets older, more guys who try to be like Steph Curry will start to be in the league as time goes on. The generation's going to change. You watch. But I think at the very beginning, up until now, and certainly for a couple more years into the future, he's an insult to everything that they know. These guys physically gifted differently like that. Steph Curry's a 6'3 type of guy. In our lives, he's tall. In their lives, he's short. And they still can't find a way to stop him with any guaranteed success rate. I get the finals. I made the argument about the finals but he's just of a different ilk. 855-2124-CBS. David Sampson going to join us 1135, 1140 a.m. Eastern. Up next, better juice balls than juice players. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. David Sampson going to join us here in about 10, 15 minutes. We'll talk baseball with him, former Marlins, general manager, also CBS Sports HQ. Oh, hickey. And you know what? I want to talk to Shep, too. But I'll talk to Hickey first. Hello, Hickey. Ken, hello. How are Hickey? you? Well, you know, I'm, and my eye's messing up again, but that's okay. I got myself an appointment right after the show, and hopefully we'll take care of this. Uh, got a question for you, buddy. Sure, let's hear it. Uh, how often do you... This is going to be weird, because it is out of left field. How often do you wash your jeans...
2: Now I'm not a jeans guy. I wear like slacks and I have a few different pair. So I guess it depends. Uh maybe like once every week and a half,
1: two weeks. Also I guess it interesting depends. you say pair and not pairs. You what say you, pair.
2: What do you mean pair? I have a few
1: different pair. You didn't say I didn't I have a few different pairs. Like pairs plural like cuz it's a pair of jeans. You said few different pair. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yes, the pair is plural. Even though you're probably right and I'm wrong, it's the same thing. Like the the AP style book came out and it says that it's RBIs with an S at the end instead of RBI. Do you understand this? Yeah,
2: I put the S on it. Do you not put the S
1: on it? I I put the S on it until people start. I did before this. Before I got before I got a talk show, I was doing minor league baseball play by play, and I would say RBIs. <laughs> And there would be people that you know it's RBI, it's not RBIs.
2: Uh, he has three RBI today. Yeah, that doesn't sound right.
1: Because it's not it it runs batted in. It's not run batted in. That's what they would say. And so I go, okay, if you're just gonna if you're gonna bitch my ear off, then I'll just say RBI and we'll be done with it. And now I feel like I, I feel like I gave into peer pressure a little bit too easily. Considering now the AP style book, which is supposed to be you understand, is supposed to be the final word the final rule on the written word and in sayings and such they say it's RBIs with no apostrophe correct correct yes so I feel like I've been hoodwinked in a way sorry just wanted to throw that out how often do you rug, how often do you wash your pants
2: uh so it depends on how often I wear them usually like a week and a half two weeks sometimes but there's no like set schedule
1: uh, somebody put out a poll one of the people one of my buddies put out a poll and like, I, you're not supposed to wash jeans? Shep. Is Shep still out? No, I'm here. Oh, I thought you might be overtaking a number two. <laughs> do you wash your pants? No. You don't wash your
3: jeans? No. You're not supposed to wash jeans? I, I don't know whether you're supposed to or not, Ken.
1: But you understand, who, I went 33 years on earth here, and my family, my growing up, The jeans got to get washed, and as an adult, my wife, the jeans got to get washed, and now I'm fine. I I swear to God, you're not supposed to wash jeans is what I'm told here, and you don't wash jeans. No, sir. Don't you get the stink going? No. You're telling me you don't smell your own stink on them jeans?
3: No, I don't smell my stink on stink. I mean, I'm comfortable with how I smell, Ken. I mean, I'm... I'm I don't care what other people oh, that, well, smell.
1: Well, that's a different conversation because I don't know if, you're, if you should be comfortable with the way you smell. <laughs> I think you have to make sure that everybody else is comfortable with the way you smell. Well, I, have I think confidence there's plenty of people who don't smell themselves. I think you always have to make sure that other people smell you okay is what I'm pointing out there. You understand?
3: I do, but I trust my uh, good sense, my spidey sense uh, to know if I smell or not without having to rely on I don't know if you can trust that.
1: By the way, 855-2124-CBS, what the hell? Summertime, I'll hack it up for you because we got baseball coming up here in a second. How often do you wash your jeans? How often are jeans supposed to be washed? You don't wash them, and Hickey, you you would you you wear pants? You never wear jeans. I never wear jeans, but it's funny you bring that up. I had a roommate
2: in college who believed the same thing. You're not supposed to wash them, so how he cleaned them? This is no joke. He put them in the freezer. Like you're what supposed to. What the hell is freeze that? Freeze them. Apparently, it quote unquote kills all the bacteria or whatever. So that's how he washed them. He had a nice pair of jeans and would legitimately put that's it. That's not the true. What, what, is, that you, is
1: true. Aren't you supposed to kill bacteria with hot stuff? Like, doesn't it boil the bacteria? Like, if you get lice, you take all the you, don't you take all the stuff and put it in a bag or like burn it? Isn't that how that's supposed to work? I've never had lice. I have no idea. I have no
2: idea uh, either. But that's what he did. I'm looking up right now. Freezing jeans. To you clean.
1: freeze the jeans
2: once Who a free- month to kill off the bacteria. It's apparently a thing.
1: I'm supposed to freeze jeans once a month. They just throw them in the washer once a week or something like that. Yeah, they are a little bit. I'll, I'll say this. They're a little stiff when I put them on. I've, but I've never noticed anything too too outrageous. I'm supposed to put them in a free... Freezers are for food, not for pants. Not for dirty pants.
2: Apparently the Levi's CEO, so you would assume he knows something about jeans, said freezing your jeans to clean them doesn't actually work. So maybe that was just an old wives' tale.
1: No, so, no, it should be an old wives' tale. I don't understand how you're supposed to put them in the freezer. Oh, okay, they're clean all of a sudden. Couldn't you just put all clothes in the freezer then if you wanted to do something like that? And again, where am I supposed to put my food if my freezer's in, if my freezer's full of clothes? Then what am I doing with a washer and dryer then? If it all can just go in the freezer for some given amount of time. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You put them in the freezer?
3: Okay, you know what that reminds me of? What? Remember the Seinfeld episode where Cosmo just says, you know what? I'm going to bypass the laundromat. I'm just going to go to a pizza oven and warm my clothes that way. That was stupid,
1: too. That's why that was part of a show because everybody knew what Kramer was doing was stupid and was going to end up biting him in the ass, and it did. That's, that's part of that problem. If you're doing things that can easily be a Seinfeld thing, you probably shouldn't do that anymore. Like, freezing jeans is not a good idea. And I didn't even know you could... I, I'm about to start cussing. I didn't even know you weren't supposed to wash them. I swear to God, until like two hours ago, I didn't know you weren't supposed to wash jeans. This is a common thing, Hick.
2: I, no, I wouldn't say common. I had no clue until my roommate started doing that. I've never heard of anyone else freezing their jeans before. Um, but if I was a jeans wearer, which I'm not, but if I was, I would definitely wash them.
1: I don't know how you don't wear jeans. I thought it was an American custom to wear jeans.
2: They're not that comfortable for me.
1: What type of pants do you wear?
2: Just, you know, slacks. slacks all the colors. time? But are you wearing like, slacks like, now? Some of them are like stretchy. No, I'm in shorts right now. It's a little hot here.
1: What kind of shorts?
2: I guess like, you know, slacks that are, you know, shorts. Like that. Like that khaki, khaki shorts khaki is what shorts, you're wearing. Yes. Okay. I apologize. Okay.
1: That, there, there you go. That's that's a little bit easier. Like if you were in basketball shorts, I might have a bit of a problem here.
2: No, I only dress to the nines when you're on the air.
1: Well, th- oh yeah, because you know I can I can tell these type of things. I, I you don't wear sweatpants in public, do you?
2: Uh no, unless I'm going somewhere quick.
1: I still won't even do that if I'm wearing if I'm going somewhere quick. I still won't even wear sweatpants in public that way.
3: Come on, there's sometimes you're just like ah. No. I Shep, do you wear sweatpants in public? Oh my god, I wear sweatpants like it's a religion.
1: Oh, you're a disgusting pig.
3: Oh, Hickey can vouch for that, Ken. I mean, I I 90% of the time I'm wearing sweats here.
1: You wear sweats in public?
3: Yeah. I think that is a Seinfeldism if I'm not mistaken. Aren't you telling the
1: world you don't care?
3: No, I'm telling the world that uh the okay, clothes well, don't make the man. It's the personality you, and the heart.
1: It's the personality and the heart. You just look like a slob in sweats.
3: Not if you're clean shaven, Ken, and you take good care oh, of yourself. Oh my
1: God, look at you! Okay, do you, you don't wear pajama pants in public, do you?
3: Well, I'm not completely off the off. The
1: well, run. God, you got to draw the line somewhere. Okay, sweatpants are a no in public. Khaki Kak- k- shorts, khaki. You're wearing khaki shorts right now, Hick. Yes, that are blue. And you, and, ooh, nice, very nice. So, how often you wear? How often you uh, you wash those?
2: Probably. A cr- once a week, every, you know, week and a half, somewhere in there.
1: Every once a week, week and a half, somewhere in there. Okay. All right. You have a girlfriend too, right? I do, yes. Does she, do you guys live together yet? No, 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 no. How far away are you guys from living together?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm 25, I, 25 so I, I mean, not that close.
1: You know, I was married and I we, Liz and I lived in an apartment when I, when I was 25. Wow. Well,
2: yeah. I guess you're you ahead of me care. then.
1: You don't give a damn, do you? He doesn't give a damn. Two, I give one, a damn. But well, you don't care. No, you don't. You don't give a damn. I know you.
2: I have plenty of how long to give.
1: You, how long have you been with this girl?
2: Uh, Like a year and a half.
1: You've been with this girl a year and a half. No plans to move in yet?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, I really don't have enough money to move out of my own parents' house right now, so that's probably the biggest holding up.
1: Oh, that's okay. All right. Now we're getting to the crux of the situation here. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So what, does she come over and stay in your room?
2: Uh, No, no, my parents do not allow that. Separate rooms. Wait a minute, wait a minute.
1: You're 25 years old, your parents don't allow that.
2: Yeah, I mean she doesn't come are, over that often. Usually, do they make you oh.
1: okay? Do you do they make you pay? Well, hold on, hold on, Hickey. No, no rent is paid. I'm not. Oh, oh th- th- well, there—that's where it was going. See, I wasn't going to assassinate your character just yet, Hick. Okay, you always think that I'm just here to bust your stones every single time. I wanted to get the thoughts on this. Okay, now you're at home. You're at the home with your parents. You're not paying rent, right? No rent's paid. Damn it! I was going to character assassinate your parents, but I think that's actually fair. Do you pay for your own groceries? No, I really—I'll be honest. I don't pay for anything outside my student loan. Oh my God! Look at you. Oh, so I bet I know who you're voting for. Okay, so you don't pay. All right, fine. Well then, what's your parents' names? Uh, Joe and Michelle. Joe and Michelle. Yes, sir. All right, Joe and Michelle. I guess they're doing it right. I guess it's their house and it's their rules. If you were paying rent, I think that's different.
2: I would agree, but would you you you
1: pay? Okay, could you pay fifty bucks a month in rent? Could you pay seventy five?
2: I'm not dirt poor. I probably could. Yeah. Well,
1: you work in radio. Let's be serious You're here. You're right. But so could you pay 100 bucks a month in rent? Yeah. You need to pay 100 bucks a month in rent so she can stay the night in your room. You're it's 25 not worth years old.
2: It. It's not worth it.
1: Wow. What's your girlfriend's name? Lauren. Hope Lauren isn't listening. I guess, yeah. You just I told America she's not worth paying 100 bucks uh, a month to be able to stay over in your room. I hope not. And that, friends, is how... You turn the tables on Ryan Hickey. Hope Lauren's listening. Cause she just found out, folks. A year and a half, you don't want to move in together, and you don't even put her in your own room and you're not willing to pay a hundred bucks to do so. What a good boyfriend you are, Hick. 4 CBS. Coming up next, see, it always turns into a character assassination, Hick. Coming up next, David Sampson going to join us, former Marlins GM. Better juice balls than juice players. Rob Manfred had trouble explaining it. Problem is, I don't think he could ever go back. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4227. That's a toll-free line. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by Geico. You go to geico.com, 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. I have exposed Hick. Which there is another conversation to have because I'm I'm willing to imagine at twenty five years old, Hick is Hick is probably not as open with his parents as I was with my parents. Not at twenty not even at twenty five years old. I'm talking even at like fourteen years old. Because he said, Well, I'm not willing to pay hundred dollars to have to be able to have my girlfriend sleep over at my parents' house, and I'm thinking Okay, that does make him sound bad, but at the same time, you have to be willing to go to your parents and offer that money, and they need to understand that there's other things that go along with her spending the night. So that might be a bit of a problem there. More on that coming up, but right now, let's welcome in David Sampson. Former Marlins general manager. You can see him on CBS Sports HQ all over the place. He's a fantastic guest, fantastic guy. We're glad to have him. Follow him on Twitter, at David P. Sampson, because, David, there was a bit of a conundrum last week for everybody, is that Rob Manfred kind of hemmed and hawed about the pill and the baseball, and, oh, even though we've been wondering it, he finally kind of confirmed it. that Yeah, the baseballs are a little bit doctored now. I don't have a problem with that. I don't know if a lot of fans have a problem with that. David, you've been a baseball man. You're, you're a former Marlins president. What do you think?
0: I think whatever the story is, we should have a story and stick to it as a, as a commissioner's office and as a sport because people want to know if the game we want has home runs and strikeouts and walks, then let's embrace that, and let's say, yeah, we put more drag on the ball. It's being handmade in a different way with different climate conditions, and that's how it goes. I think that we have to involve our fans because they're the ones who are voting with their fingers and with their wallets.
1: Do we take do we take baseball maybe the history a little bit too seriously? Because as this story continues to develop and it continues to break, to blow up there might be people, well, the home runs now this year and the last couple of years, they don't mean as much as what the home runs did before. I'm not put, I, we've already talked about asterisks for steroids, David. I'm not putting another asterisk out there for guys who've been playing between 2016 and 2019.
0: Yeah, you can't. and baseball, we talked about this for all of my 18 years in the game. Baseball is held under such high scrutiny, more so than any other sport. Uh, talking about previous records and the history and, and, and how the ball has been and over the years, you don't really hear that much in, in, in football or in basketball. You don't hear about the days of Bob Cousy and Bill Russell and whether or not all the players were smaller so it was easier and there were fewer teams so the Celtics were able to win more rings. You just hear that Bill Russell has 11 rings. But in baseball, everyone's looking to try to explain any anomaly.
1: David Sampson joining us on the show. He's basically done it all, arts, movies. He's, you do run marathons, right? I do. Lord almighty, I can't believe that. And he's <laughs> been on Survivor as well. David Sampson with us on the show. Yankees and Red Sox in London. this a good idea, or could this end up being a bad idea for both these teams? Because, boy, it seems like a grind. I know that Justin Shackle just played a clip of Aaron Judge going, boy, it's a long flight, and there's jet lag, and we still have a lot of seasons still left to play.
0: Yeah, well, I have a hard time feeling sorry for anybody who gets to go to Europe uh, midseason. They're not exactly traveling economy in row 84F in the middle seat. Uh, And if they want to sleep, they can sleep. One of the problems is the Red Sox had that great plane. Everybody knows when you go to Europe, you're supposed to sleep on the way to Europe, and that helps get rid of jet lag. But the players were probably up playing cards and looking around that great plane. So they'll catch up and they'll be fine. It's important for baseball to grow internationally, and this is a good way to start.
1: Now, David, you know damn well that you've been on baseball planes before and you'd rather not sleep and have been playing a good game at Tonk. You know that, and I, I, I dare anybody to ever question the other, anything else. Uh, is there any sort of thought with baseball, like football, where, hey, we can put a team in London? Is there any sort of thought with something like this idea?
0: Yeah, it's going to be difficult. I think that the team would have to uh, – I think we got to work on getting Tampa Bay and Oakland taken care of and then look at some other expansion possibilities in North America – Possibly Montreal, but doubtful. Possibly Mexico, but doubtful. I think going to Europe and playing every year a series of games like the NFL does, I think that makes much more sense than having a team there full-time.
1: With Tampa Bay, how would you rectify that situation?
0: Well, they need to not come up with a plan that involves two cities and think that that's leverage. They need to actually tell Tampa and St. Pete that they are filing for a full relocation to leave Tampa and to leave St. Pete. And whether, you know, St. Pete just says, hey, you can't leave until 28, 2028, no problem. We will leave in 28, and you go to other cities, and you try to get a deal in another city, and we'll see how quickly Tampa steps up. But the leverage that they're trying to get by this two-city solution is not going to work.
1: I don't think it works either. Uh, Can you give us a couple of just – is there any sort of an example how this could work, I guess, David? I mean, from the business standpoint of it, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I I think it's a tug-and-pull between a couple of fan bases. And it seems that maybe Montreal is more of an easier fan base to use, a la L.A. over 20 years with the NFL.
0: You know, I tried so hard to make baseball work in Montreal, and I came after many people, including Steve Rompton's father. Uh, who tried to make baseball work in Montreal, there's not a money there for a TV deal in English. The TV deal in French would not be able to compete with any TV deals in the United States. And they don't have the money to publicly or the ability to publicly do a stadium. So if you think that Steven Bronson is going to privately pay for an entire stadium to only get half a team that he's the minority owner of, then I can't imagine what possibly you could be thinking.
1: Is there passion with that fan base? You've been there. Do they, do they want it back?
0: It's the same passion that, that exists in each city. There's a minimum uh, a number of people who have a maximum amount of passion. And uh, it's hard because gate revenue is not necessarily what drives the team anymore. You need to have TV revenue. You need corporate revenue. And the Expos, under both me and Claude Brochu and Charles Bronfman, going all the way back to the beginning, uh, you know they were doing fire sales before Wayne Heisinga in Florida they invented the fire sale in Montreal well before I was around and that 's because they just couldn 't get the revenue and they were losing so much money and i just don 't think anything's changed in that regard
1: David Sampson joining us on the show so say that they, that you can 't save baseball in Tampa say that it 's got to go where would you where would you think would be a great fit for the Tampa bay Rays if, if it, if it can 't be Montreal where would it be
0: You know, I would like to have seen baseball be the first into Vegas, but now if they go, they'd be the third, and I think that that's not going to work. I don't think Vegas is a three-sport town. I think it certainly would have been and is a one-sport town, and we're going to soon see whether it's a two-sport town. I think there's possibilities in Nashville and San Antonio, but I really think the best place, and I haven't really talked about this publicly, but the best place is in the Northeast Corridor, somewhere between Boston and New York. There is certainly corporate revenue available, certainly TV revenue available, and the only problem is you'd have the Yankees and Red Sox up in arms. But in, if you're asking me the best place for Tampa to go wow. with the best chance to compete, that's where it would be. So maybe like a Hartford or something, somewhere in that corridor. Absolutely.
1: Well, that's see, that's incredible to me, David. Because that's the first we did this last week, and I said, "Hey, if you're if you're moving the Rays, where do you move them?" And I got a lot of answers. I got Sacramento, Charlotte, Nashville. I never once heard that it really could work. And I know you, you just said the Yankees and Red Sox would obviously be upset. Mets would probably be upset, and God knows a few others. But you really think it could work in that market? I never heard that market ever.
0: Here's the thing: in that corridor, you will get team's upset, Mets, Yankees, Red Sox, but guess what? They're upset now because of all the money and revenue sharing that they give to the Tampa Rays. Uh, Their Uh, asset value will not go down uh, by as much as they think at all. People will still want to own the Yankees and the Red Sox. and At the end of the day, the value of the team is what these owners are interested in. They're going to say they want rings, and they do, but that's secondary to what the value of their team is. And Putting a third team there um, will, not, abs- will not at all hurt the value of their team because it will help the industry and all ships rise with the tide.
1: Can we at least call them the Whalers if they were to move to Hartford then, David?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that I would do that, but it, and I'm not sure it would be Hartford exactly. Um, but, uh, but somewhere in that area, somewhere along the coast maybe, um, somewhere in northern New Jersey is something we looked at for many, many years, uh, across from where the Yankees play near the Meadowlands, maybe a little bit further north than that. I think that we have to take a look at it, and baseball is pretty good at looking at markets. But the first step here, first step that we have to talk about is getting leverage. And threatening to be a two-city team is not how you get leverage.
1: Wow, David Sampson joining us on the show. Okay, if I gave you the keys to the New York Mets, how do you fix them?
0: <laughs> the first thing I would do is uh, get rid of Brody Van Wagenen. Uh, I think that that was a mistake to hire him as a, as a GM. Um, he is w- he's an agent first and foremost. And to be a GM, you can't just walk into it. You have to understand what it is to run a baseball team. And I've done it. So I get it. And I would make sure that he would not have the power to make the type of trades he made, uh, this off season, which I called on CBS sports, HQ the worst trades of the off season, bringing in Diaz and Cano. It hamstrings them for years to come. And the Wilpons were so interested in making it seem like Brody was in charge that they signed off on something beyond Philly for an off season splash. And then I would get rid of Callaway, and then I would bring in a baseball person who I would trust to do everything, and I'd hand over the keys and take a step back. I
1: mean, could you could you talk any? Could you maybe talk Joe Girardi to be a manager for him? I know that fans always want to bring him up.
0: You know, I think we got to take baby steps because I think the Wilpons have been an involved ownership group, and uh, which is fine. I was involved. Everyone's always involved. Girardi doesn't take kindly to involvement from above. He doesn't take kindly to messages from the GM suite. Uh, into the dugout. He doesn't take kindly to lineup suggestions or to anything like that. So I'm not sure I would go that direction, uh, but I think that there are a lot of good, possible young uh, uh, managers who could come in and build with the GM hand in hand, and the Mets just have to be willing to rebuild instead of putting Band-Aids on, which is what we did with the Marlins, and it doesn't work.
1: David, you've given me so much to talk about, and that's what I thank you the most for. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we'll have you again very soon.
0: Hey, anytime. Have a great day. Take care.
1: You too. David Sampson joining us on the show. CBS Sports HQ, former Marlins president, former executive with the Montreal Expos. Hick, I didn't even think of that. If it could be, like we brought it up last week, I brought up six markets, and I don't have the notes in front of me. Nashville, people might say Indianapolis, people would say Charlotte, uh, Montreal gets thrown in there because of the nostalgia, but I, I agree with what David says, and David was there, so I think I see it the same way he does. Uh, Portland's one of those cities, and then Las Vegas would be there.
2: I'm with you. Portland, to me, Put, is very interesting. I think that could be a passion
1: putting some, it, and, and they already seem to have people who are willing to invest and people who are willing to invest in a stadium, and they've already come up with plans and this, that, and the other. Now, I think the, Marlin, or the, the Marlins, the Mariners would have something to say about it, but regardless, putting another team in. Because you have the Mets and you have the Yankees. Then you have Boston. That's up there. If I could get a team in Hartford, I'd get another team in Jersey. See, what what affects me, and, and heck, you're there. Is that I'm? I automatically assume you're not going to leave the Yankees for anything. Once you're a Yankee fan, you're a Yankee fan for life. And I would see the same thing with a Red Sox fan. And because a Mets fan, and you're a Mets fan, Hick, you probably hate both equally, or you probably really hate the Yankees, but you certainly hate the Red Sox and Red Sox fans. I don't think you've been on that ship for so long. I don't think that anything's going to take away that fan base. Are there people in Jersey who'd be willing to jump ship to like a Jersey baseball team?
2: You know, I'm not sure. The only thing I compare it to is Brooklyn with the Nets because they kind of, you know, they had their, obviously their team in Jersey moved to Brooklyn. You figure everyone in New York's a Knicks fan. They have a decent showing. I think most of it's still from Jersey. I think if you put like either the Rays move them to Jersey, I just don't see, right, see people that leaving the Yankees or the Mets to, to root for a new team. I just don't think that could happen.
1: I don't think I could see it that way. I, I know that the market would be there. And see, that's one of the interesting things about it as well. Because if you get TV revenue, and what David Sampson's saying, and now I wish I would have had him here just to ask him this question as we're spitballing. This is the problem I had with the Rays last week. You tell me you need a new stadium, but every single time we talk about Major League Baseball and the problems with Major League Baseball, they throw it in your face how much money they make on their television revenue. Well, then, what do you really want? Do you really want a place where people are going to pack it in? Or do you want Obviously, an owner wants both. Do you really want a place that are, that are going to pack it in, or do you really just want a new set for your TV show? I mean, which one is it? And we're talking about markets, revenue, revenue sharing, the type of revenue that they have to share. Obviously, the Yankees and Red Sox aren't happy about that. The Mets probably wouldn't be happy about that. But if we're talking about television and working in another TV deal, if that's what matters the most to this, and they are, by the way, smaller stadiums, The amenities are different, more mixed use with those stadiums, not just baseball games, not just football games. This is is across sports, by the way, basketball as well. Smaller, better, more amenities, different types of uh, of things that you could host. But if you're looking at just the market with the television in there, am I going to be able to really compete with the Yankees, with the Red Sox, with the Mets on SNY? Which one am I going to really be able to do? Man, I, th- I still – he knows more about the business, so I defer to him. But I still think that's easier said than done. Certainly different to talk about. 855 cbs One hour from now, Mark Heisler going to join us. We'll talk NBA with him. I'm next, LeBron owns the NBA, and he just found a new way to cement himself all time.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.